Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. But hey, we're on this series called Journey of Hope, and I want to encourage you that God wants us to live a life of hope. How many knows our world needs some hope in it? Does anybody know anybody that needs hope in their life? You, got, you know somebody, you got a friend or a family member that needs hope over a situation, over something you're walking through. We all need it. And uh, so we just believe that God's the one who gives that. He's the one who gives us hope. So we're expecting God to do great things. We're excited about not only what God's doing tonight in Mount Carmel. It's just, again, we're mentioning it not to overlook. You know, somebody uh, was talking to me this morning. They're like, hey, man, I'm excited about tonight. I said, yeah, I'm excited about today first. And then tonight, and I knew what they meant, we were just kind of joking around, but I'm just thrilled for what God is doing right here in our midst. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of a move of God that is bigger than any of us individually, because it's not about any of us individually, it's about Him. It's about connecting people to Jesus from all roads of life, hence the name, the Rhodes Church. And uh, so we're excited about that. We're excited about the grand opening tonight. That uh, I want to encourage somebody that you can get some hope in your life. If God's promised you something, told you something a long time ago, and you have not seen any fruit of it whatsoever for some amount of time, whatever it may be, don't get discouraged. God is faithful. January 26, 2013, randomly, I just had a thought. God spoke to me and said, I want you to start a church location in Mount Carmel. January 26, 2013. I just jotted it down in my notes because I thought it was a random thought. I thought it was just me. I thought it was whatever. I did not know it was God until here we are. So in October the 18th of 2017, we signed the papers for the building. Almost two years later, here we are having the grand opening. So God is faithful. So let hope arise. Can we give God some praise for being faithful in our life? Woo! He's faithful. He's faithful. So you, God may not be speaking to you about a new church location, but I promise you he's speaking to you about something. He's speaking to you about something that caused hope to rise in your heart again. Maybe you've got discouraged about disappointments, things that didn't go your way. We all face those. But today we're going to talk about something very important, about being anchored in hope. That hope is an anchor for us. The song that we sang today, that third song that they sang, just incredible, that hope arise. We're going to talk about that. I pray that today, by the time you leave, your hope will be anchored in Jesus. So let's get their sermon notes out of your worship guides. They're there if you'd like to follow along, or you can get on your YouVersion Bible app and uh, download the sermon notes there. Go to the events section. You can get those as well. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 6. Woo! Just happy about Jesus. Happy about what he's speaking to our hearts, what he's doing. Hebrews chapter 6. Note takers are world changers. So everybody ready to change the world, start taking some notes. The rest of you, start taking some notes. Here we go. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6. We'll start reading in verse 9 after I pray. Father in heaven, I love you and I just thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Jesus, we need you. We need you to speak to us. We need you in this place that it is all for you and all about you. So God, I pray that you will cause hope to arise on the inside of us today. Holy Spirit, just minister today. Flow in and out of every row, every seat. All of us, change us from the inside out. Let this word come alive to us, God. Because without you, we have nothing but with you, 
all things are possible. So we believe for the miraculous today, God, because you are here in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 9 and do my best to read straight through to verse 13. So pray for me. But beloved, <laughs> that's because every time I practice this, I would you know, start reading this and I, I'd stop and start preaching this and I would say, God, why am I preaching this to you? You're the one who wrote it. But anyway, but beloved, we are confident. Everybody say confident. We are confident of better things. That's what hope is about. We're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You are part of the crew. You're not part of the crowd. You're serving on the dream team. You're part of connect groups. God is faithful. He does not forget your labor. Thank you, Dream Teamers, for serving and making church happen today. Thank you for making a place for people to park, people to check in their kids, people to watch online. Thank you, Dream Teamers, for making it possible. We couldn't do it without you. Let's give it up for the Dream Team. Woo! Thank you for being in there with our children teaching our children about the kingdom of God while we can come in and enjoy the service. Thank you. God does not forget. He doesn't forget your labor. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, that energy and effort, that, that focus, that eagerness to get to the place of full assurance of hope. You're filled up and overflowing with hope. This is what we're about, getting filled up and over, overflowing with hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, spiritually lazy. And just start saying, K Sarah, Sarah, whatever happens will happen. No, you're not like that, but you imitate those. You imitate certain people, those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after, everybody say, after. After he had patiently endured, after Abraham had exercised internal and external control, influence and power over resistance, opposition and temptation, after he had learned to do that, he was now strong enough. Anybody been working out this week? Anybody remember the message from last week? Anybody? I'm getting crickets. I preached a sermon last week on YouTube. You might want to go check it out. Had a weight, a dumbbell, anybody remember that? No, you were sleeping. Where were you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He wasn't here. I'm just messing with you. People are like, oh my goodness. I'm just playing. <laughs> hey, but patiently enduring is not about avoiding resistance and opposition. It's about allowing it to strengthen us. Mm. We're going to be strengthened for the promise. For men indeed, here's where we're going to start, verse 16. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Here's where we're going to start today. This is week three, talking about anchored by hope. Verse 16, here's what he's talking about. He says, for men or women, for, for human beings, they would do this. They would swear by something greater than themselves. And then they would give an oath for confirmation, which would end all dispute. Now, what's a dispute? A dispute is a disagreement, disagreement between different opinions or contrary or contradictory thoughts. So you could have different opinions about something. I see it this way. You see it that way. I feel this way. You feel that way. We have ourselves a dispute. How do you settle a dispute? 
You only settle a dispute when you come to an agreement or you reach a settlement. What is a settlement? A settlement is where both parties that disagree on something choose to agree on one thing. It doesn't mean they all got everything that they wanted, but they chose to come into an agreement. So there was dispute, but we chose to come into agreement. And it says here that this oath of confirmation was an end of all dispute. In other words, it's settled. We agree. We agree. Keep this in your heart. I'm I'm building something. You'll need this in just a moment. It's an end of all dispute. Once we have an end of all dispute, there's no differing thoughts anymore. We come into agreement. End of all dispute. So now, thus God, thus, because men did this, because they said, hey, if I'll give an oath, then it's going to end all dispute. So God said, okay, I want to end some dispute in your heart. God wants to end all dispute in our hearts. He knows that there's contradictory voices and opinions going on in our heads all the time. He knows we hear voices. He knows we have all kinds of feelings pulling us this way and that back and forth. He knows that's going on. So he says, I want to end all dispute in your heart. That's God's desire. God is not the author of confusion. He's not wanting us to be tossed around all the time, stressed out and filled with anxiety because we don't know what to do. He says, I want to end all dispute in your heart. So he says, thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Now let's look at that. Number one, what's the heirs of the promise? Heir of the promise? It's not everybody. It's not everybody. I wish I could say it was everybody, but it's not everybody. I have to to be honest. Sometimes we want the benefits of the promise without becoming heirs. In our society of everybody wins a trophy. (laughs) Sorry, was that too harsh? You're so good. No, you didn't win. Give him the trophy back. You didn't win anything. You were on the team. Sorry. Some, some parents are like, man, you're so harsh. I'm just saying. The Bible says everybody runs a race, but not everybody wins. Run in such a way that you win. So, so that's God. Determining to show more abundantly the heirs of the promise. The heirs of the promise are those who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says that you are Abraham's, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. How do I become an heir of the promise? Because I want it? No. When I become part of Christ, when I give my heart to Jesus, when I belong to him, now I become an heir of the promise. So that's what he's talking about. God wanted to determine to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability. Immutability. I just like saying that word, immutability. Immutability. just rolls off their tongue. Immutability. Immutability. I don't like to enunciate words a lot in my normal everyday vernacular. It's just just the way I talk. So immutability forces me to enunciate every syllable. Immutability. (laughs) Makes my lips move in ways that they normally don't move. Immutability. (laughs) What does it mean, Chad? Get on to the point. It means... It means unchanging. It means he doesn't change. He doesn't waver. The immutability of his counsel. Counsel means his plans, purposes, and intentions. So immutability, here's a characteristic of God we need to get. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He is consistent. 
So he's wanting to show us something. He wanted to show us about the immutability of his counsel, his plans, his purposes. God never changes plans, purposes, and his intentions for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans. Here's the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not of disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's his plans, purposes, intentions. So it says the immutability of his counsel, it will never change. God's plans for you and me is always to give us a future and a hope. Yeah, but Chad, what if I really screw up? He still, from that place of screw up, has plans for a future and a hope. Even if that part of my life was not his plan, he still puts in place a plan to get me to future and hope from my screw up. He never changes He's not like us. He never says, you made your bed, now lay in it, you deserve it. He never says that. We say that. He doesn't say that. He says, how'd you get there, son or daughter? What you doing? Okay, let's go here. My plans and intentions and purpose for you are always to give you a future. Come on, let's go forward. Come on, let's move forward. But I'm terrible. I made a mistake. I screwed up. I know you did. Come on, let's move forward. I know, but I deserve to stay here. It was stupid. It was stupid. It was stupid. I know. Let's move forward. He never changes. He's not going to change for you. He's not going to change for me. Immutability of his counsel. Does that give anybody any hope? Sometimes, sometimes we get far enough away from sin, we forget about the value of the immutability of his counsel. We get far enough saved, we forget what it's like to need Jesus to help us move forward. Well, I'm not preaching about that, but that's still a good point. Immutability of his counsel, i got to stay focused. In which, <laughs> the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Now, I give you what the word oath means somewhere. The word oath means this. I'm delaying. There it is. A fence, a limit, or restraint. Hmm. God gave himself a fence, a limit, or restraint, a solemn promise regarding future acts or behavior. God confirmed it with an oath. Why would God use the word oath and talk about fence, a limit, or restraint? God's limitless. God knows no bounds. God put himself in a fence with this oath. What is the fence he put himself in? My word. Not my word, Chad, his word. He said, my word, I'm limited to my word. I'm limiting myself to my oath. My oath to you is a guarantee. I will never contradict my oath. He's not limited to what he can do in the world. But he said, I will watch over my word to perform it. Numbers chapter 23 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. So when God gives you and me an oath, when he gives me a promise, he says, I'm fenced in around my own promise to you. That gives me some hope that God says, you know what? I'm bound to my word. I will perform my word. I will do it. So he says, I've confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable, there's that word again, that two immutable things. What are the two immutable things? Number one, that God never changes. He's the same and he's no respecter of persons. Put that in your heart. The two immutable things, number one, that's going to fill us with hope, that I can be anchored with hope this morning, is number one, Jesus is the same. God is the same for somebody else. He's the same for me. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't change. What he did for Abraham, he'll do for me. What he did for Jesus, he'll do for me. The immutability. 
of his plans, purposes, intentions for my life. That is, that is one thing that's never going to change. Number two is that he confirms it with an oath, is that his word is his bond. He speaks the truth and he does not lie. By these two immutable things, we can have hope if we get these two things in my heart. If I settle it, that God's plan for me is always a future and a hope, it will cause hope to arise in me. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm facing, if I will settle that in my heart, hope will arise because God never changes. And he's no respecter of persons. But the devil tells you he won't do it for you. He wants to tell you he won't do it for you. Not now. Not now. He might have earlier, but now you've went to, like, you know, here was how far you could go. God would still do something, but now you've went here, buddy. <laughs> you're all on your own. You can't, you're not, he's not going to do it for you. No, God never changes. Immutability of his counsel. Get it in your head. Just say that word, immutable, immutable, immutable. God never changes, and he always honors his word. He tells the truth. So notice, look what it says, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation or strong encouragement. What do we have encouragement in? We have strong encouragement because we believe that God never changes and he's no respecter of persons and he never tells a lie. That's what gives me encouragement. Is anybody receiving this word this morning? I just want to make sure I'm getting excited about my, what I'm hearing. Hey, strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold that refuge means safety, to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. What are we supposed to lay hold of? We're supposed to lay hold of hope. What is hope? Hope is not answers. Hope is not details. Hope is anticipation and expectation. I'm, I'm laying hold of expectation of God without knowledge of how. How can I do that? I can only do that if I believe that he never changes and his plans for me are always for a future and a hope and that he never lies. Because I know that, I can lay hold of expectation and anticipation that what he said he will perform. How can I be? A, but, but how? I don't know how. I wish I knew how. I can't, get in, I can't let my expectation, I can't lay hold of how because when I try and lay hold of how, I get discouraged. I just got to lay hold of that he will i got to lay hold of these faithful. Lay hold of it. Lay hold of this hope that is set before us. Set before us. I, there's a hope set before us, but if it says lay hold of it, it means it's also possible to not lay hold of it. Recently, I, I took a trip, went on a, on a conference and got to fly. And because we use, you know, uh, our American Express card to pay for a lot of things. And so we get a lot of points and with miles and stuff. I, I got to be upgraded to first class. Now, before you get too excited, it was a little plane. So first, <laughs> if you're envisioning, you know, this, it, it wasn't that. It was just a little bigger chair, which is not a luxury for me. It's really a requirement for me. And so I'm in, I'm in this seat and, and, uh, and I got a whole story about that I'd love to tell you about this guy who wanted to come sit beside me. Anyway, never mind. So we come, we're in first class, and, and what's one thing that's different about first class, you sit in, in coach, you know, back with the peasants, and you get back with, <laughs> where, where I normally am, but hopefully in an exit row, an exit row. But anyway, you know, they come by and they give you an option. You can either have a, um, a Chex Mix bag or what they call cookies. What they call cookies and what I call cookies are two totally different things. But that's another story. So you get one or the other. But if you're in first class, I was sitting there. And it's different. If you're on a bigger plane, plane it's even better. But in this little small 
first-class plane. They came by, and they brought a basket. And then this basket had bananas and chips and cookies and all this stuff. And they just brought the basket to you and let you pick as much as you want, Gia. They just, they set it before me. And, and I'm like, which one? And she's like, as much as you want. I'm like, as much as I want. Lord. I'm like, this is the life. I've never been up here before. What's it like? I'm waving back to the back. But I, I could have whatever I want. It was laid before me, but I had to choose it. I had to grab it. I could take it or leave it. This hope that's set before us, it's available for you and me, but we have to lay hold of it. There's an anticipation and expectation of what God can do in our life. It's set before us, but God says, if you will not lay hold of it, you will not experience it. I could have looked around and said, no, thank you. I couldn't possibly. No, I don't want to be greedy. I'll just take one. And see this guy over here who's got four things. (laughs) Just like... Looks like a wood chipper, just things just flying out of his mouth and going on and on. And he's drinking all these beverages for free. And I'm like, man, what's going on? I'm just over here. Well, well, you, you don't need all of that. But I had it available to me. He laid hold of it. I didn't. So he's not over here. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> he's not. This is what happens when we don't lay hold of everything God has for us and we think we're pious, we think we're humble, but we're missing what's available, what's set before us. God says, I'm laying laying something before you. Take all you want. Oh, no, I just need to be forgiven of my sins and then I'll make it till heaven comes. You can do that if you want, but he says, I've got some hope for you. I got some hope. Will you lay hold of it? So this is what he says. Lay hold of the hope that's set before us. 19, this hope, this hope. What hope? What hope? This hope. Everybody say this hope. This hope. This hope. This hope. What is this hope built on? The expectation, anticipation that God never changes. That he's no respecter of persons. And that he never lies. He watches over his word to perform it. That hope. Not in the hope of it's going to turn out like I want it to. Not that kind of hope. Not the hope that's based on when I see things changes, changing, I get excited. No, not that kind of hope. When I see nothing, this hope is still alive inside of me. When I hear nothing, this hope is still, I'm expecting. Why? Because God never fails. He never changes for me. He watches over his word to perform it. I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. But I believe my expectation is in God is able. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope we have as an anchor. As an anchor. I just happen to have an anchor. <laughs> Giving me sharp objects is dangerous. But this hope we have as an anchor. I wanted to illustrate this point to you. This hope. This hope is our anchor. What is our hope? Remember. Trying to, trying to teach this. I want you to get this down in your heart. What is the hope? Our hope is based on the fact that he never changes. He's no respecter of persons, and he watches over his word to perform, and he tells the truth. He does not tell a lie. That's what my hope is in. My hope is not in it's going to work out the way I want it to work out. My hope is not in that. There is no promise or guarantee to me in the Bible that God will do what I want him to do. He will do what he promises to do. My hope, 
says, this hope we have as an anchor. Now, I, I, I'm not a captain of a sea vessel by any stretch of the imagination, but I did watch some YouTube videos. And so, so, so this, this weight, there's a couple things about an anchor, is it has to be heavy. It has to be a, a, a good weight for your vessel, depending on the size of the boat, this is the size of your anchor. And this is a, a very common type of anchor, and this weight has to, is important. It's got to be heavy enough. It's got to be heavier than other things so that when it goes down to the bottom, it's going to be able to hold the vessel in place. And here's what we're taking. Our hope in our hearts has to be heavy. It has to be heavy. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be opposition or dis, uh, uh, opposing thoughts or disputes in my mind. It's just that my hope has to outweigh them. I'm going to have discouraging thoughts. I'm going to have disputes that come to my mind. But when I'm anchored, my hope outweighs my confusion. I'm still not certain about how. I'm, not, I'm still not certain when. I'm still not certain, you know, if I, I'm not, not certain about this or that. But my hope outweighs it. You got to have a hope in God that outweighs your doubts. It doesn't mean doubts aren't going to be there. It just means your hope outweighs them. So it goes down to the bottom. It, it outweighs it. It goes down to the bottom. And then now one of the important things about an anchor, again, I didn't know this, but I, but I, but I understood about it. I thought you would just take the anchor and wee, just throw it over the side. That's not how you do it. You actually have to lay it down and, and set it down the water, hand over hand, easing it down into the bottom of the, of the river or lake or wherever you are, the body of water, and then so you can see it. When it gets to the bottom, how this mechanism works is this hinges like this because what you're supposed to do after you drop anchor, you set the anchor. You don't just drop it in the water. You have to set it. And how you set the anchor is once you get, you get where the wind is, maybe the wind is blowing this way, then you want to get where you're in, the, get the anchor at the bottom. And if the wind is blowing you, you want to actually pull the anchor away in the direction the wind is blowing to set it. Because as this goes down into the ground, you begin to pull on it. This point down here digs into the bottom of the, of the water. It digs into it. So you actually want to set that anchor. Why? Because there's going to be adversity and opposition that's going to blow against you. And if you don't set your anchor, even though you have an anchor, it will not hold you. We have to set our hope. It's one thing to have hope. It's one thing to have an anchor on your boat. But you notice it says we have this anchor. We can have an anchor, but it doesn't guarantee we're going to use the anchor. We can have hope in our life, but if we don't set it, on the right thing, it will never hold us. What are you setting your hope on? I'll tell you where I've made many mistakes in my life. I've set my hope on a desired end result. When I set my hope on this thing happening the way I want it to happen, I'm often discouraged. Because my desires will never hold my hope. I have to set my hope in something a little firmer. I have to set my hope in God. I have to set my hope that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's no respecter of persons. I set my hope and that he watches over his word to perform it. So my hope is set in what he said, not what I want. I hope I'm helping somebody. I see some people taking notes. You're the ones that's going to benefit from this. So here's what's going to happen. So you, you got to set this anchor. So you set it. But how many know after you set it, if you're a seed person, sometimes while you're out there on the water, conditions can change. And if you set the anchor this way, the wind's blowing this way, if the wind would happen to shift, 
and begin to blow from the other direction. Now it begins to move your boat this way, and what can happen as you come over on this side and begin to pull against the anchor, the anchor that's set this way begins to pop up, and now this anchor will drag, and it will not hold you. So sometimes when conditions change, you have to reset your anchor. Anybody ever had situations or conditions change in what you were believing God for? That I was going this way, I was set on this, and all of a sudden conditions change. Well, what happens when conditions change? You reset your anchor. You get back in the Word again. You reset on what God's promised you. You pull back up uh, scriptures. You pull back what God promised you, and you reset them again and say, I'm believing what God says. This is what we have. But notice what happens about this, this setting, resetting the anchor it is an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast. It's an anchor of the soul. What is our soul? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So this anchor, our hope is an anchor to our soul. It's an anchor to my mind when my thoughts begin to pull me in different directions. My hope is an anchor that holds me steady. My will, when I don't feel like I have the will to keep on going, my hope is an anchor. This hope is an anchor to my soul. It's an anchor to my will. When I want to quit and give up because it's been too long or it's been too hard, then my anchor, my hope, holds me in place. Because when you're out there boating and you want to stop and you want to fish, you drop an anchor because you don't want to move from this place. You've decided this is where I want to stay. So you drop anchor. And you say, I don't want to be moved off this spot. So I drop anchor because I want this anchor to hold me here. This is where I've decided to stay. When our same thing in our relationship and our walk with God, we make choices where we decide to stay on what we're going to believe. And that's why we have to drop our hope, our anchor of hope in that spot and say, I will not be moved. I'm not going to be moved off this into confusion. I will not be moved off this into fear. I'm going to hold. Because this anchors a, to our soul, our mind, our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. How many knows that our feelings can cause us to pull up anchor? Oh, Jesus. We can be so solid. I am securely anchored. I'm not moving. Today. Today. And then feelings come. And all of a sudden, we, in one minute we're saying, I believe God to the death. Peter. If everyone leaves you, Jesus, I will stay with you, even to the death. Little girl said, hey, uh, aren't you one of the disciples? No, I'm not one of the disciples. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Fear hit him. All of a sudden, pulling up anchor. Emotions sometimes can cause us to pull up our position and be drift, we begin to drift with where the wind is taking us. Look what it says, though. This anchor of hope, though, is both sure and steadfast. Both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Mm. Mm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I need more time, but I've got to move off of the Scripture. I'm not going to do this for 25 weeks. So here's what we got to do. <laughs> this anchor, this hope, this hope that you have, the hope that you have in what? The hope you have in what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Huh? And he's no respecter of persons. And he's, honor, he's uh, got an oath to his word. He tells the truth. My hope is in that. So now this anchor is sure and steadfast. I will not be moved. We just sang that. 
But notice what happens. It enters into the presence behind the veil. Seems like a, just a, a frivolous thing to throw in there. We're talking about anchors and boating and water, and now we throw in presence and veil. What is that about? Well, because the original temple consisted of an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. And the holy of holies was separated by a veil from top to bottom. Most scholars believe that this veil was 30 feet high. Because the room, the Holy of Holies, was supposed to be 30 by 30 by 30. 30 length, 30 wide, 30 tall. So this, this veil covered all of that. It's a huge veil, 30 feet long. And in the Holy of Holies, it's where the presence of God would only come and manifest one day a year to one person, the high priest. Can you imagine what it was like for the presence of God never to come and touch your heart? He only came into the Holy of Holies to atone for sin one time, one day to one man, the high priest. But it says, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters behind the veil, enters in behind the veil, enters into the presence behind the veil, enters into the presence, into the presence. Wait a minute, what are we talking about? How does, how does this hope get in there? What happened? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 30 feet tall. No individuals running up there with a pair of scissors. It tore in two from top to bottom. And now what was closed off access, where only the high priest could go one time into that room to atone for sins. Now Jesus, notice what it says, Jesus said, which enters into the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Here's what's talking about. Jesus, when he died and rose from the dead, there was a mercy seat in the Holy of Holies that the high priest would, would apply the blood for the atonement of sin. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies for you and I, and he applied the blood for our sin. And it wasn't just, he just needed to do it one time for everyone. So there's no more once a year. So now my anchor can go into the presence behind the veil because the veil's been torn in two. So now my hope is anchored in his presence. Let me finish with this. This is what's so, so important. Let me tie this together. My hope is built on what? The fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's no respecter of persons. And the fact that God is true, his word is true, and he will not lie, and he watches over his word to perform it. So that's my hope. And that hope in those, those two facets, those two immutable things, goes into his presence and anchors me. I'm anchored to his presence on those two immutable things. The word of God has to be anchored in the presence of God. Here's where we miss our hope. We don't value the anchor location. The anchor has to be in the presence. God's word is awesome. It's incredible. It's invaluable. But if we forget his presence, combining with that word, I can't have hope outside of the presence. I can't have hope without his presence in my life. I can have a Bible 
And I can have scriptures, but without his presence. Holy Spirit, I ask your presence to come now. Here's what I believe is going to happen. As I prayed, I prayed for the presence of God to move. That you will not have an anchor in church service. That your anchor is not in a church service. Your, your anchor is not in a sermon. But your anchor is in Him. That your anchor enters in to the presence behind the veil. So now my anchor is in Him. My anchor is in who He is. My anchor is in what He says and who He is. In His Word and in His presence. I'm anchored in by His Word and I'm anchored in His presence. In other words, when the enemy tries to get me out of the presence of God, I'm anchored in the presence of God. When the enemy tries to get me out of church, I'm anchored in church. I'm anchored where God wants me to be. When he tries to get me out of a prayer time, I'm anchored into the presence of God. You and I, we need a presence place. You need a place where you meet the presence of God every day. You need a place where you inhabit His presence, where you go. I don't care if it's for five minutes, 15 minutes. Start somewhere where you have a secret place, where you meet with Jesus, and you drop anchor in His presence. Because there's times when I want to run, and I want to quit, I want to give up, I want to get discouraged, whatever it may be. When I go into my secret place, it's I go in there and I say, I'm dropping anchor. I'm not moving off your promises, God. Your, your word is an anchor to my soul. When my thoughts are running wild, when my will wants to give up, and when my emotions are in chaos, God, your, your word, it's, a, it's an anchor to my soul right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.